Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, maybe this. Talk Recorded live. Hello and welcome. This is Brooke Polk, your host and assistant writer to Ken Vernon, the inspired author of the ebook Revelation of Revelation, A Total Fraud. What you're about to hear on this evening's episode of Revelation of Revelation has never been revealed before now in audio format. Listen in now as we introduce this evening's program topic on this one-of-a-kind program where Scripture speaks the truth through the in-depth Scripture studies of Ken Vernon. When directing your browser to the website, it's revelationofrevelation.com. And if you haven't already downloaded your your free copy, you continue to be able to do so. Visit the homepage at revelationofrevelation.com and also look for the newsletters and frequently asked question articles where you'll find a wealth of truth, a wealth of information revealed. And now the author, Ken Vernon, and this evening's Revealed Truth Explained. Good evening, Ken. Good evening, Brooke. And welcome to everyone who's online tonight. As you may have seen from the listening, we bring you the rapture. And we'll start with a pointed question. And here's that question. Have you ever seen the word rapture written anywhere in your Bible? If you're out there and you're listening, feel free to give an answer. If you haven't, then I will continue. Welcome to the club. If you haven't seen the word rapture in your Bible, neither have we. Not surprising. At least, not to us. We have introduced to you the revelation of revelation, demonstrating from the scriptures the fraudulent work that was placed in the book we call the Bible. Everyone over the years in the Christian community have treated it as the inspired word of the Creator. In the book of Hebrews, we are told that it is impossible for the Creator to lie. Since the scripture clearly tells us then that the Creator cannot lie, who is responsible for the lies we find in the Bible that is supposedly a collection of scriptures? Certainly not our Creator. The Bible clearly tells us that He cannot lie. 
If I seem to be drifting away from tonight's program, I assure you I'm not. I will demonstrate once again from the scriptures how lies were put into your Bible by unscrupulous men, and you and I, and many others who grew up in a Christian community, were deceived. Now, let's look at the rapture theory that we hear so much about from just about everyone in the Christian community. At the beginning, I asked the question, have you ever seen the word written in your Bible? I said, neither have we. Brooke and I, Brooke and I never saw it either. The reason we cannot find it is simply this. It is not anywhere in the Bible, period. Go to your concordance, go to Strong's, go to any concordance you have, and look for the word rapture. You will not find it anywhere. But it is a theory that is a expounded everywhere Christianity is preached. Since it is not written in the Bible, why then is this rapture doctrine being preached throughout Christianity and ministers the world over proclaim it as biblical truth? See the problem? Men within the Christian community, the leaders within the Christian community, are proclaiming a theory as if though it is found in the Bible. Let me continue. The answer is pretty obvious. It's the work of people who came before us, who attempted to put forward their beliefs for selfish and misguided reasons, in some cases even for fear-mongering. Moses had admonished the children of Israel not to add to his words, nor subtract from them, more than once, in Deuteronomy. In the book of the Proverbs, we are also told not to add to his words, lest we are reproved and found to be liars. In that case, there is where all those people sit who are peddling the rapture doctrine. It is a lie. It is a theory, as I mentioned before, developed by men for their own selfish purposes. On the basis of those passages of Scripture, we see that the rapture doctrine is a lie. For emphasis, let me reiterate, it is not in the Bible. The rapture theory is a lie. Here is a little history that you may not be aware of. Many years ago, oh, probably close to 100 years ago now, there was a group of believers early in the last century who calculated the return of the Messiah and then journeyed at the appointed time, into the countryside 
where they awaited the return of the Messiah. They waited for the rapture. You are fully aware that was a false teaching. The Messiah never came. If you wish to have more details about that event, I'm sure you can find it on the internet. I am not going to spend time covering it tonight. I will proceed to show you many scriptures that explains what happens when the Messiah returns. Now, that rapture business or the practice of preaching it has turned off many in the religious community. So much so that any proclamation of the Messiah's return is met with disdain, skepticism, and disbelief. No small wonder. Many, many over the years have made that proclamation and nothing, absolutely nothing came about as a result of it. Does that mean the scriptures do not support the return of the Messiah? Of course not. The primary and only reason those people are wrong is simply this. They were of this world. They cannot know the truth. Here are the scriptures that make that crystal clear. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14 and verse 17, the Messiah told his disciples that the world cannot receive the spirit of truth. So how then can they know of such a magnificent event when the scriptures clearly tell us that the spirit of truth will guide the believer into all truth? From John 16:13, We are told that when the spirit of truth comes, it will also show the believer events of the future. Now, since we have determined that they are wrong from the scriptures, and we also have proof from history those people were and are still wrong, the people of the Most High to whom the events of the future would be revealed, then are the only people who would know that. Here is more supporting passages for you that makes it abundantly clear. John 16.13 from the CJB. However, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but he will say only what he hears. He will also announce to you events of the future. That's pretty clear. The Spirit of Truth will announce the future events to his disciples, no matter what era of the church you belong to. You can only depend on the Spirit of Truth to bring you the truth and also to show you events of the future. Now, if you're a skeptic and you believe that the events of the future are hidden from everyone, your belief is in stark opposition to what the scripture teaches. On the other hand, you might have read in your Bible that no man knows the time of the Messiah's return. 
That is certainly very convincing. You can go to your Bible. You can go to that scripture. And you can find it because it's written there more than once. Obviously, then, there's a contradiction between those two passages in your Bible. Somewhere there, one of them is a lie. I will show you once again from the scriptures that the spirit of truth guides the believer, the disciples, if you will, into all truth and reveal events of the future. From the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13 and verse 32, we read, However, when that day and that hour will come, no one knows, not the angels in heaven, not the Son, just the Father. You can find supporting passages in Matthew and Luke and the book of Acts as well. That clearly says, no one knows the day or the hour. And in the case of that scripture, it says, not even the Son, then it really gets complicated. Okay. Even though those scriptures from the Gospel of John stands in stark contradiction, the answer will come to us from the book of the prophet Zechariah. And I will read that for you right from the book of Zechariah so that you will know firsthand exactly what the scriptures say as opposed to believing in a theory developed by men for their own selfish purposes. Let me go to Zechariah chapter 14. And I'll pick it up in verse 7. Zechariah 14, verse 7. Well, let me back up to set the stage for you. The entire chapter of Zechariah 14 speaks of the day, the day of his return. I'll pick it up in verse 6. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord. Not day, not night, but it shall come to pass that at even time it shall be light. Here, from the scriptures, we are told that the Lord only knows that day. The same being that is called the Lord in the New Testament gave that scripture to the prophet Isaiah someplace around 460, 487 B.C. So we see now in the first century, people who recorded the events of the first century, some 500 years later, we find others saying no one knows the day. Yet, here from the prophet Zechariah, we find out that that has already been revealed by the one that you call the Lord in your New Testament. Let me continue. 
The, uh, if you continue in my word, he says, you shall know the truth, which is what we try to do from this broadcast. As we are told in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, and verse 31, we, the church, the first fruits, if you will, are given the truth which sanctifies us and sets us apart from the world. So then we see that even in our Bibles, there are lies that were carelessly placed by the people who would have us believe that the Father is superior to the Son. Again, I can read that entire chapter for you, but we'll let it go tonight. You can certainly pick up your Bibles at the end of this program and read the entire chapter 14 of Zechariah. And you'll see that it speaks of that great day. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Let me now share with you another one of those flagrant lies that sits right there in your Bible, in the Gospel of John. And I'll pick it up in John 10 and verse 29. And it reads... My Father, who gave them to me, is greater than I am, and no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. <laughs> That's pretty clear. That's what's written there. Again, we seem to find convincing evidence from the Bible. Now, let's look at the next verse and see what the next verse says. Verse 30. I and my Father are one. He said, I and my Father are one. Here we find, once again, conflicting passages, in this case, one following the other immediately. Which one should we choose? Which one is correct? Let's go back to chapter 1. And verse 1, in the book of John. And it clearly says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Here, right from our Gospels, it tells us that both Father and Son, the Word, are one. That coincides, that does not conflict with chapter 10 and verse 30 that says, I and my Father are one. There's no such thing that one is greater than the other. From Genesis, we read, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, meaning both of them. In Genesis 1 and verse uh, 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image. If man was made in the image of God, then it, then man was made in the image of both divine beings. Not one of them, but both. And the Word is the one who gave that command when he said, let us make man in our image. 
again, we are able to go to our scriptures to learn the truth, to get away from the lies. Let me continue. This topic requires really another episode to make it perfectly clear. There are many scriptures that I will share with you in our next program that will clearly show you that the Messiah, when he comes, comes to this earth to set up the kingdom of heaven on this earth, which he told us to pray for. He didn't say he would come and take the church away. That is bogus teaching. It is contrary to scripture. Let me share a couple of those scriptures with you. And I'm sure you'll remember this one from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, when he says, In my Father's house there are many places. A better translation, a better rendering from a different translation than the King James. It says, In my Father's house are many places, or positions. I go to prepare a place for you. If it wasn't so, I would have told you. When that place is prepared for you, he said, I will come and receive you. Notice, notice he doesn't say, I will come and take you away. It clearly says, I will come and receive you so that where I am, there you may be also. Again, when he comes, not when he goes. In First Corinthians chapter 15, it says, Messiah, the first fruits, those that are his at his coming. Again, no mention of going anywhere. Many, many years of wrong teaching within the Christian community has led people to believe that when the Messiah comes, he takes his people away and he destroys the entire earth. That also, believe it or not, can be found in your Bible, in one of the epistles of Peter. And strangely enough, you can see how contrasting that notion is that the Creator will come, take his people away, and burn up the earth. That clearly tells us that the kingdom of heaven will not come to this earth as he instructed us to pray for our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. It is absolutely close to madness that for so many years those passages have sat in the Bible when they're clearly and completely contradictory to what's written in the rest of the scriptures. Next time around, I will show you precisely what happens when the Messiah comes. Before we close this portion of the program tonight, I'll share with you from 1 Corinthians what the Apostle saw, saw mentioned 
to the church in Corinth. And if you've read those scriptures before, let me share them with you again. Once again, from Corinthians chapter 6. And here's the problem. There was a problem in the church with people suing each other over whatever the silly problems were. Nevertheless, the Apostle Saul addresses it this way. There any of you having a matter, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 1, there any of you having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust, and not before the saints. Here it comes. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know you not that we shall judge angels? How do we judge the world if when the Messiah comes, he destroys the world and takes his people away? Here again, the scriptures bring us the truth, the unmistakable truth, so that you can see very clearly all those false passages that have been placed in your Bible by relying on the spirit of truth, which he gives to those who obey him. And he makes it clear that his truth, or the spirit of truth, is not available to the world, only to the church. On that note, I'll take it back to Brooke. Thank you, Ken. What a great program you've just heard. Never before in an audio format, you have heard the truth explained from scriptures, revealing the falsities of scriptures we've taken as gospel for many centuries down to the decades of which Ken and I and you have lived in the Christianity world that we know today. Speaking of Christianity in the world we know today, in browsing this day's newspaper, I came across an interesting article about scientists now realizing that just outside our solar system or our particular galaxy, there is maybe two or perhaps three more of planet Earth's uh, twins, if you may call them that. In other words, it looks like they could sustain life. That is the scope of the technology that we have to now uh, be able to be subjected to by man's investigations with instruments that heretofore was just not available. Where does all that wisdom come from? Where does all this information that's running rampant in our modern day today come from? And then scriptures, as Ken has often pointed out, that the information will be running rampant at the end of the ages. So many Christianity, uh, traditions of men, congregations that separate and divide and begin another new congregation because of silliness or a disagreement over a matter, they preach only what they've been preached to. If there is these vast universes without end, who do you think will be creating and creating under the principles of why we were created in the first place? Answers that Ken and I may not have, but 
in a general theme, we present to you the scriptures that have been with us for millennia, and especially the last few hundred years, of which all the translations have become more and more prevalent. We are teaching that, whoops, somebody tampered with the truth when it quite clearly states that no man shall add to or take away from the inspired scriptures. So if you know of anyone or any program or any ministry that are in alignment with what you're hearing here on Revelation of Revelation, please let them know that we exist. We may be like a planted out there that science is now recognizing for the first time ever. Well, for the first time ever, such a program here needs to be recognized as something different, something truthful. We could go on and on for another whole episode about the strange things that are in this world that we never thought of and now we are beginning to realize. That's information, I guess, that's running rampant. I, at times, when my writings are subjected to and experience daily hearing of others expousing the scriptures from their points of view, of many of which I've had in the past. But there is this one individual who is a minister of a local congregation that my family attends that preaches pretty hot and heavy the scriptures that are not in the Bible, that it does not say that. And yet, every time I hear him preach, he has to come around to the point that if I don't accept their teachings, that I will perish, and that's it. Poof. I will never know of this salvation. Preachers don't read their Bibles. If they did, they wouldn't be teaching hell and damnation. That's a title that I have for an article that I have on the computer screen. Why don't they know the truth? Because it is not in their time to understand it. It's been sealed up, almost like a coded book. But so simply, the truth is here. And if you're attracted to this program and to the reading of the book, you know that something is working in your mind. You must have been asking for the truth. Tonight's episode on the rapture, quite interesting. And as we heard Ken speak, it needs to have a second episode to even make it even more clear to you how there are certain things in the book that we take as the gospel have been tampered with. Until we talk to you again on our next episode, this is Brooke Folk, assistant writer to Ken Vernon. Visit our website, revelationofrevelation.com. Questions of any nature in this scope of Revelation of Revelation and scriptures, email Ken, Vergedi, V-E-R-G-E-D-I, at optonline, O-P-T-O-N-L-I-N-E dot net. Again, visiting the website, request your copy while it's still at no 
cost, and that's another introduction, another point of uh, presenting the gospel in the ebook world that is being worked on at this present time. Perhaps in 2015, there will be a publisher who would want to charge a minimal fee so that you can download it to your tablets. More on that in future episodes. Be sure to read the newsletters and the frequently asked questions, too. Until next episode, Brooke Volk, on behalf of the author, Ken Vernon, saying good night for now.